You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. This is Ruv English and I'm Darren Adam. Thanks very much for your company. Today, my guest is somebody, I don't know where to start with Mar because he does so much. Mar Gunnarsson is here. Uh, where do you want to start? We can talk about the swimming. We can talk about the music. We can talk about the success you had <laughs> changing the, the, the law in Iceland so that you could, people who are blind could, you know, use their guide dogs abroad without having to rack up huge... But where do you want to start? Uh, why did you leave it to me? <laughs> <laughs> Don't put me in this position. Well, I'm returning the favour in a way because you invited me onto your, radio, onto your radio show a few weeks ago, so I thought I should, you know, as I say, return the favour. Uh, Let, let's start with the swimming because yes. you were in Manchester... Absolutely. ...just a couple of weeks ago, I think, weren't you? Yeah. So... Um, Exactly, the World Power Swimming, um, they were in uh, Manchester in uh, end of July, which is really, really funny and in interesting because I am actually going to college in Manchester and the college is literally the next building to um, the Manchester Aquatic Centre. Um, was that deliberate? Not at all. That was just a funny coincidence. Okay. Actually, last year, uh, I decided after... Um, you know, I, I finished the Paralympics in Tokyo 2021 and I was a little bit like, you know, I a little bit felt that my life wanted a little bit of a change. Um, so I, you know, quit swimming for a few months and I started working for Roof as a television presenter and um, I uh, was going between uh, schools in Iceland to talk to kids about uh, how it is to be a blind uh, Paralympic swimmer and musician and, yes. and working for television and stuff like that. Um and then a few months later, I decided, hey, I want an even bigger change. I want to challenge myself in a way I've never done before. So I went to university um, in uh, Guildford, actually, for a few months, decided it was not really for me. And, and, and um, yeah, sadly, <laughs> the university did not meet uh, my expectations. Okay. Um, so I was, okay, either I'm going back to Iceland or I'm looking for another option in, in the UK and just give it one, one more go. So um, I applied for the Royal Northern College of Manchester, which is like one of the most fancy and posh <laughs> uh, well, It's got the word royal in the name, hasn't it? So it exactly. Must, it must be posh. It, it has it. <laughs> uh, and they were literally like, you know, the... the um, the ap applications were um, already over, so I was not very optimistic of getting in. And there were like 350 people that applied for it and only 40 persons that would get a scholarship. But I was so lucky to get in. Um, and uh, then I also realized that the World Cup in Manchester was this summer next to the college. So it all kind of fell together, if you know what I mean. So, okay, yeah. so the swimming championships, the Paralympic championships were in Manchester. Yes. As was a couple of weeks ago. How did that go? It was actually amazing because, like I mentioned earlier, after um, the Tokyo Games, I quit for one year. Yes. So I've now only been um, training about, well, 10 months. Okay. Uh, I still swam like two milliseconds away from my personal best, which I did in Tokyo with almost uh, out any race practice this season you know i'm just back into the game which is super super exciting i ended up in like sixth place um which you know i am proving i'm showing that i am able to swim into the finals um i am qualifying for the finals hmm. i am in top six uh, and still i am only two seconds away from uh, reaching being on a podium yeah so literally i'm my plan currently is to improve 
two seconds, two to three seconds, and and fight for medals in in Paris next year. And when you gave up the swimming, when you had that <clears> year that you weren't swimming yeah. professionally or competitively, were you still swimming for fun? Absolutely. I mean, you know, you know how Iceland is. Yeah. There are swimming pools everywhere. People go to the swimming pools. So although I was not swimming. Uh, 14 hours per week I probably went you know <laughs> every now and then <laughs> yes, just yeah, yeah. to have a have a dive in and and I was very active at the gym at the mo- at the time um but now I'm you know back into basically professional training if that makes sense and and, and this year I'll be doing my best to be swimming and doing well at yeah. the college and and this environment is just like you know like someone would have designed it for myself I have the um uh, house where I'm staying whatever you call it student housing 15 meters away is the college and then across the street is the swimming pool I couldn't ask for more that's pretty perfect really, and the gay village a little bit down the road all the boxes are ticked <laughs> everything you could possibly want in, yes. in, in that part of Manchester for sure <laughs> now when we spoke on your show you talked about sometimes when you are swimming in Iceland you have a lane to yourself because you are blind for reasons of safety and not everyone quite understanding why that is the case why you get a lane to yourself is that improving do you think the understanding <clears throat> well when you once you explain to people um the situation then i think most of people you know uh, kind of get it if, but you know it, but it's still sometimes annoying that you have to um how can I say it? Usually, I don't train in Reykjavik, but uh, when when you came to my show, uh, it just so happens that uh, they emptied the swimming pool in Keflavik, where I'm usually. So I had okay. to find an alternate solution, which was then to go to Reykjavik. And I spoke to my colleagues at the Lotus Lou, and they are always so nice and and welcome yes. me very much. But <clears throat> there are always people that uh, you know come to the pool, and although they see that there is a, a reserved lane with reserved signs. You know, they're just like, hey, I paid for a ticket into this swimming pool. You know, it's like <laughs> they kind of take things for granted, if it makes yes. sense. All right. Now, I want to talk about the music that you are studying, of course, and the music that you perform as well. And we'll get into that conversation. But you were, of course, prominent in the headlines a couple of months ago here in Iceland. I want to be very careful about what I say here. I don't want to say the name of your gorgeous guide dog in case I disturb him <laughs> or wake him up. It's M-A-X. Yes, it is. And he's having a sleep and he's having a well-deserved rest in the corner. I don't want to wake him up. Yeah, but, he's he's but very cosy there. I mean, it's a cosy room. And, it's a, it's a nice place and he's, he's very much at home by, yeah, <laughs> by the looks of it. You were in the news, he was in the news because you were the first blind person with a guide dog in Iceland to successfully campaign for the costs of taking the guide dog abroad to be refunded to you. It seems obvious that that should have happened, but it took the work that you did to make it happen. Which was, obviously, I'm very happy that uh, we managed to do it. But again, I'm also, on the other hand, a little bit sad that I had to take these steps to go public with it, to tell uh, the world and other nations just, hey... I've been trying and trying and trying without success. And, you know, this is the treatment that we have received from the behalf of the Icelandic government and uh, MAST, uh, which is Matalostopnen. I don't know what you, how you say it in English. It's and the sort of veterinary authority in Iceland. First comes uh, Matalostopnen, which is the food and animal something. And mm. underneath that is MAST, which are like the border control and, and everything. Because we, obviously, when I went to to the UK for my studies I brought Max with me because he is uh, uh, we say in Icelandic <laughs> which sounds bad in English translation like an assistance 
tool like a, uh, yeah like an aid an actual tool of of your daily life exactly just yeah, like yeah. the white cane you know yeah just like the white yeah. cane or any other or a wheelchair or, 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 any, a wheelchair. or any device i suppose and it is horrible <clears throat> to talk about a lovely animal like that but of course that is financially how it's arranged isn't it yes exactly and uh, you know when when i took him out that was pretty easy uh, you know we just uh, filled in some details and made sure that uh, he is healthy and and provide evidence of that when when entering the uk and i was aware of that returning back to iceland would be difficult because obviously we don't have so many diseases that exist mm. out there um so i started very early to prepare must and to prepare matolostopnum that we are studying we will be coming home like every other uh, Icelandic uh, citizen that goes abroad and studies. You know, you, you don't expect people to stay out there for four or five years exactly. without coming home. Yeah. Um, but sadly, um, my responses were just almost none. Like, I, I did get interviews with people um, working for the government, uh, and they just told me, yeah, just, you know, ask for, um, you know, go and ask Lions for a fund. Or something, which is such a horrible way of thinking, because they are putting the limits, yeah. and they want me to find some charity. So you're talking when you say lines, you're talking about a charity there. Basically, they, they said it's not our responsibility. See if other people will help you. Exactly. That's now changed. We're in a situation where you are refunded the costs of travelling with MAX, as you, <laughs> as you need to do. Yes, but sadly, it has not yet been clarified how it will be. Um, you know next time as well uh, because yes they paid me now uh, but well when I say they paid me they refunded me yes uh, so you the, had to pay the, first I had to pay first the, about 4,000 well about about 600,000 krona which is what uh, 3,000 pounds maybe it's about 4,000 pounds sterling yeah it's a lot of money it, it's a lot of money uh, because of all kinds of paperwork that I needed to fill out before bringing him back to Iceland yes uh, and again, I understand um, the safety arrangements yeah. to, to pre prevent, uh, or, you know. It, it seems strange, doesn't it, that nobody thought of this problem before. No one thought that this was going to be an issue. I mean, there aren't many guide dogs in Iceland, are there? No, I think we have 12. 12 in total. Yeah. So this problem was always going to arise, but it didn't arise until you ran into it and flagged it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the discussion was there and there was a law saying that I am not supposed to bear any cost yeah. of having him yeah. but it did not say who is going to pay it. Yes. That was the issue a little bit. What does it cost then to transport him, to take him on the plane? Does he get his own seat? Um, that, <laughs> well, yes, he does or he, he does. should yes. get and um, after coming back to Iceland, uh, sadly Iceland there uh, made some mistakes um, when we were coming to Iceland, which they admitted yeah. uh, immediately. They gave me a call the day after and, and apologized for their um, uh, approach to the matter, and you know, which I really appreciate. They did mm -hmm. that immediately. They they called me, and apologized for it, and and asked me to come meet them and to help them um, designing a system that would, uh, you know support or, or, or just how, how they treat these kind of how they you know 
greet guide dogs on board you their can flights. Hear yeah, MAX is yawning in the background. He's heard this story before. That's what it must be. I think so. But but yeah, usually airlines do provide a person with a guide dog uh, yeah. an extra seat so that yes. so that the dog can lay on the floor because it's not fair to you know the passenger sitting next to us having to you know have a. I mean, he's pretty big. He's like. You know, he, he's 30 kilos. Yeah, he's an adult lab, a he black is. lab. Yeah. And he's a sizable, sizable animal. Yeah, and airlines are not really famous for a lot of space for leg, you know, leg room. No, no indeed. <laughs> Do you know, as you're talking, and because we've said that he's curled up in the corner, I'm going to quietly take a picture of MAX. Uh, do it. And we'll put this on the... I don't want to disturb him, so I'll zoom in. I promise you, he's fine. He looks very rested, but he is absolutely fine. I can hear it. There he is in the corner. Okay. So that's now dealt with then. And presumably that means for future blind travellers with guide dogs coming into and out of Iceland, you have, well, you've paved the way for them. I certainly hope so. And uh, like I mentioned before, it has not really been decided how going forward uh, the government is going to handle this. But it will for sure, there, there has been a change. Uh, a big step has been taken. Um, sadly, it was me and Max who had to, <laughs> you know, go through the snow for the first. Yeah. Um, but it's great that you both did. I mean, absolutely. And uh, th- the government is providing those dogs uh, with the Blind Association. You know, it's it's uh, funded by the Blind Association and the government. And it's done to improve uh, life experience and to help, you know, people with blindness and 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 and, um, and stuff like that not to limit us you know yes. we should be able like everyone else to go and study abroad or work abroad or whatever we want to do abroad as everyone else who has uh, who is fully sighted yes and obviously if the government is saying yeah you can take him out but if you want to come back you have to pay 600,000 krona <laughs> you know every time every time yes if yes. you do that two three times per year oh my gosh well, most people would struggle to pay for that, I think. Especially I mean, a student in Manchester. Exactly. He wants to spend money at the student bar. Apart <laughs> <laughs> from anything else. Well, I, I don't drink alcohol, but, but oh, okay. I'm sure I can spend money on something you else. You can find something else yeah, to spend absolutely. on. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Now, I don't I, know how to cook, for example, so, you know, I have to eat something. <laughs> I don't either. I can't help you there, I'm afraid. So, <laughs> I think I'm right in saying, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but when you were in Manchester, I think you posted on social media that you were hopeful or had been hopeful of some kind of medical intervention or some sort of medical process that would that you'd been told could improve your eyesight uh no more the opposite <laughs> so the post i posted in manchester was that uh, every few years um paralympic swimmers have to go through classification processes just to make sure that they are classified in the right i see uh right place basically and uh, currently i'm swimming in a class called uh, s11 which means people that have don't like no vision at all or just very, very limited, probably see a little bit of light or stuff like that. Um, and I am in that classification and basically they told me, you see so badly that we don't have to see you again. We are fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so right. that, those feelings were a well, little bit blended because... That's bittersweet, isn't it? It's bittersweet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and will it improve? I mean, is there an expectation that your eyesight will improve or can? Well, not from its own. It can only become worse. Um, However, I am in contact with um, a doctor in Canada who is working alongside other specialists on uh, creating and developing treatments, uh, and they have made enormous steps forward 
in this category mm. uh, and I am aware of that 400 people with the same eye disorder as I uh, have undertaken a surgery or, or some kind of treatment which has improved their vision in 90% cases. Okay. So I, I don't know how much exactly it has improved their vision, but improvement is there. Yes. Uh, and I am in regular email contacts with uh, this uh, doctor, and yes. I'm very excited to just see how this will change in the next months and, and years. Obviously, I, I don't sit in front of my emails and wait for them because, you know, it's just... I can't think too much about it, but it's really yeah. interesting to follow the process. You may well benefit from it at some point. A hundred percent. I mean, yeah. when I'm like in, in six, seven years time, when I am 30 years old, who knows, uh, you know, what the possibilities are. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, everything crossed on that, of course. I yeah. want to talk about the music because that's where you first came to my attention, certainly. Falling for You, I think, was maybe exactly. the song that you sent and we played here on Roof English. And that was a few months ago. You performed music, of course. You entered in Songwa Ketnin. Exactly, yeah. A couple of years ago, I think. Yeah, last year. Last year. Yeah. Last year. Me and, and uh, Isold, my sister, we had uh, ended up in third place with our song Don't You Know, which was a really fun process. And you study music in Manchester as well. So is yeah. that the future then, do you think? I mean, I don't want to make you choose between swimming and music, but if you had to... I mean, <laughs> I think I would always choose music because, um, I mean, I won't be swimming forever. Um, that's just a fact. <laughs> so I think uh, when, when swimming is uh, over, mm -hmm. which I don't know if it will be next year or maybe after the... Olympic Games in uh, five years' time or, or whatever, I imagine my life as music and journalism because I love working for radio and television, yeah. um, which I have been doing partly for Roof the last uh, one oh, and yes, a half years. You've, you've been spotted in this building. <laughs> yes. More than once. You know your way around this, this studio for sure. Absolutely. So that's part of the future. And the music that you study, tell me about the studies. Tell me how and what about music it is that you're studying. So um, I'm, I will be doing a degree in um, yeah, with honours in popular music. And uh, the RNCM has the finest popular music course in the UK. Um, their standards are, are very high. Uh, and um, they expect a lot of their students. Yeah. Um, my main focus is on singing and um, piano playing. Uh, but then I will also, you know, be doing some courses in, you know, songwriting and production and artist development and st mm -hmm. stuff like that, uh, which is super exciting and and really interesting. And I'm very much looking forward to it. But on the other hand, I also believe that you can take all kinds of courses and learn this and learn that, mm. but then it's always in the end up to you to actually go and do something. Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, you're in a big musical city in Manchester, for absolutely. sure. Absolutely. You probably feel the musical history of the place. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. there are so many legends coming from Manchester. Yeah. What do you listen to yourself? Ooh, it's kind of like... Because you asked me this question on your show, it's really difficult. Yeah, you, if you work in you're radio. being mean to me. Do you know that you're asking all the same questions back to me? <laughs> well, you see, I know it's a tough one because if you work in radio, as I've done for a long time, yes, people say, "What's your favorite song? What is it you listen to?" And the answer is kind of everything and nothing, yeah. isn't it? So, so what, I, is, what do you listen to? What's I'm your little, favorite record? Yes, yes, I'm coming to it. <laughs> uh, so I am a little bit difficult because I'm not too modern. Um, so I love, you know, 70s music, 80s music, 90s music. Uh, but today, I think my recent favorite artist is Cody Fry. 
he is amazing. He is from, I think, Texas or something. Mm. And he is writing those super lovely Disney vibe songs that could have been in Disney movies from the 1970s, mm. 80s, 90s, you know, mm. but with a modern arrangements and a symphony orchestra. And I absolutely love him. It sounds like the Yonzi record, the solo record from 2010, from Yonzi from Sigaros, who released an album that had all of these wonderful Disney melodies, but again, a very shiny, polished orchestral production on them as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Yonzi is, is amazing and, you know, one of our biggest stars. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, he, he's absolutely gorgeous. Um, obviously, also, like today, Loewe is doing just magnificent things. I have so much respect for her. Mm and what she has been doing and, and just her character. So, yeah, I, I mean, one of my favourite singers all time, Michael Bublé. I love Michael Bublé. And your fellow students in Manchester, do you have any collaborations on the go? Um, well, I just received homework for the summer, so, you know, it, it will be a little bit interesting because <laughs> uh, the first day is 18th of September and I received an email, OK, on the 19th, you have to perform two songs with... Uh, with a group uh, in front of lots of people and I've never met those people before and I'm arriving, you know, during the evening time on the 17th. Okay. <laughs> and because I am both a pianist and a singer, I am in two groups, so those are four songs in total <laughs> with two different groups with people I've never met before. And you've got how long to get all that together? I mean, <laughs> no time because literally I'm flying out on, on, on Sunday morning, the 17th. I am flying to London to get my stuff uh, pick, pick stuff and then drive to Manchester so we are li arriving late afternoon early evening so and we have to perform on the 19th so you know it's it's a very tight schedule okay well we're having our conversation right now on the, the very last day of August um, so when is it you fly back to the, the UK uh, 17th 17th you're here, here in Iceland for another couple of weeks yeah exactly and uh, I'm sure they will go very very quickly by yeah having fun back here in Iceland yes I absolutely um, but it's a, a little bit interesting because you know, when I when I came home um, from Guildford in, in beginning of June, I was like, yeah, I need to take maybe three, four weeks where I just do nothing. Yes. But I can tell you, I think I've almost never been as busy in my life because I've just been so busy doing swimming, doing music. I'm I'm working on two songs to send into the uh, Schoenberg Cabinet. Okay. So, you know, I'm just finishing that currently and I've not told that to anyone so this is a <laughs> this is an exclusive okay <laughs> yes exactly would that be for you to perform again yourself or is this for someone else Can no you tell us that? just myself just for yourself just okay myself. because I don't think you're the kind of person that would be very good at taking time off you've always got about 16 different projects on the go Yes, which is, I guess, one of my strengths, but also one of my weaknesses, because there's no boss to tell me, OK, Maur, you've done enough today. You know, go and just... Go to bed. Yes, basically, <laughs> go to bed, Maur. <laughs> so, so literally, those few weeks I've been here, I've been practicing for the World Championships, working on music, working for television, working for radio, and I feel I've been, you know, like all the months I was away, yeah. I was kind of working them back in those few weeks. <laughs> Well, listen, it's been great to talk to you again and get a sense of where you are right now. And I think if we were to talk again in two weeks, you'd have another 16 different projects on the go. I'm sure, yes. Without question. And enjoy your return. Well, enjoy the, the few weeks you have left here in Iceland. Enjoy your return to Manchester. I'm sure you're going to. And thank you very much for that song for Ketnin exclusive as well. Uh, yeah, well, thank you so much for having me, Darren. Just, Always a pleasure and looking forward to next time. Tell you what, let's play out with one of your songs. Pick one. Oof. 
I would say let's let's play um, one of my covers, which I did last year, uh, which is called Thuert, and it was a um, old old Icelandic song, like an opera, and you know it was like Thuert in the meeting, you know, just something like that, which obviously <laughs> does not suit me, <laughs> and I wanted to do something completely different. So this is Thuert. All right, let's listen to that. Maur, thank you very much indeed, and no doubt we'll talk again. This is Roof English. He is Maur Gunnarsson, and I'm Darren Adam. Get in touch with us anytime. We are English at ruv.is. Listening to the Roof English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is/english.